thank you all for tuning in to the Your Edge podcast. I'm Therese Van Ryan, Global Director of Public Relations at Zebra Technologies, and I'm here today with Tony Chakin, President of TempTime and Vice President and General Manager of Zebra's Global Supplies Organization. We also have Ted Prusik, a co-founder of TempTime and currently the Vice President of Innovation, as well as Chris Caulfield, Vice President of TempTime Operations. We've gathered today to talk about a very hot topic at the moment, COVID-19 vaccines. More specifically, we're going to talk about the challenges of distributing temperature-sensitive vaccines such as this one and the technologies available today to help monitor each vial from the first mile to the last so that everyone can be confident in the efficacy of each dose being administered. Thank you all for joining us today. Happy to be here, um, Therese. It's um, it's definitely an exciting time, and uh, you know we're we're uh, we're happy to participate in this. So thank you. Absolutely, thank you all so much, Tony. Let's start with you. I know there's been a lot of public discussion recently about the logistics of distributing COVID-19 vaccines, given the extremely cold temperatures at which they must be maintained, whether it's a refrigerated or ultra frozen state. But it seems that the focus is mostly on the equipment and the infrastructure needed to maintain these temperatures while the vaccines are being transported and stored. I don't hear many people talking about how we'll actually know if temperatures remained stable throughout the distribution and storage process. And I would imagine that needs to be considered as critically as anything else. Would you agree? You know, I would absolutely agree. And I know there's been a lot of discussion and coverage in the news about how we're going to distribute and store these vaccines. Um, but I think what's really important is at the end of the day, what really matters most to a person is to know that that specific vaccine vial that they will be vaccinated with has not been exposed to a temperature excursion. Very, very important. Um, in my view is that this can only happen with a proven technology, um, which have at Zebra Temp Time called our vaccine biomonitor, or we refer to it as a VBM, to show the patient that at that specific time with that specific vaccine, um, that that vaccine has not been compromised by temperature. Super important. And I remember when Anders was on with uh, Jim Kramer uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jim has said, I want to know if that vaccine is meant for me, that that specific vaccine has not been compromised. And it's comforting to know that Zebra has this capability and we're, we're excited to, to help out where we can here. And I know if we look at our families, I'm sure we would all want to know as well that that specific vaccine that I will be vaccinated with um, has not been compromised in any way. You know, I will also say that um, TempTime also has a portfolio of products that go beyond the VVM, um, so we can help track and trace temperature exposure during, during uh, both transport and storage, uh, but it's really the actual VVM which is the most important. And TempTime has uh, been at this for decades. They've got, uh, you know, a great track record globally uh, for this technology, and it's, uh, it's a very exciting time. I would agree wholeheartedly, Tony. Most vaccines we receive today are temperature sensitive. So is the COVID-19 vaccine distribution really that different? I know most other vaccines don't have to remain frozen, but fundamentally speaking, the technologies, processes, and best practices applied to the handling and monitoring of other temperature sensitive 
vaccines should also apply here too. Would you agree? You know, I would agree um, with the one with the one caveat in that there's this is a very very unique situation. Um, so first, vaccines, as you know, are all temperature sensitive, and most today are shipped with um, under under um, refrigerated um, conditions when shipped or stored. Um, but what makes the first couple of vaccines coming out with COVID more unique is they will be um, transported and stored in a frozen or, as you said, ultra frozen conditions. So best practices for handling this type of vaccine initially becomes more complex. Um, to take it a step further, when you're administering the vaccine um, in countries, we will be doing this more broadly or in some areas of the world, we call this mass vaccination campaigns which is very new to some countries, including the U.S. and the U.K., as an example. Um, and if you look at the U.K., and, you know, they are the first country in the world to have emergency use approval granted to them for some of the vaccines. And I've heard that they may even open up some soccer stadiums at some point for mass vaccination um, sites, if you will, to try and get these vaccines out. So um, when you look at best practices, uh, this is very unique and very different to what the world is um, used to. And uh, I would say that our VVM technology at the end of the day allows that patient to be uh, confident that they will be given that vaccine that has not been temperature exposed. So there's nothing really unique about, I mean, there's nothing really best practices with this situation because it is so very different globally. I see. Mm-hmm. So even though many governments mandate that temperature monitors such as those electronic data loggers be applied to pallets or packages to help provide visibility into potential heat events, you're saying we really should be putting a heat sensor on every individual COVID-19 vaccine vial at the time of manufacture as well? Yes, absolutely. Um, if you look at our data loggers, they are important to know that if a pallet has been exposed to a temperature excursion, but then if it has been, you need to open and break down the boxes on that pallet to see if a vaccine has actually been affected. And the only way to do that is with our VVM vaccine biomonitor technology. Um, so in, instead of uh, opening a particular box and not knowing, it would be really important to have that VVM on those vials. And if you really think about it from a vaccine savings potential, um, if you do have that VVM on there versus not knowing if it has been compromised by temperature, um, you know, it could put the situation where, where everyone is trying to get that back, get a vaccine. Um, it would be a shame to waste some of those good vaccines because we really didn't know if it uh, had been exposed or not. Again, which brings me right back to the VVM. So although there's other ways of getting this out there, um, I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to what's on that vial which is super important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Chris, to ask you a question, you've been with Temp Time for many years and you've worked with many governments, NGOs, healthcare providers, and others on global vaccine distributions. In your opinion, what are the potential consequences of foregoing vial level vaccine temperature sensors? Thank you, Therese, and it's a pleasure to be here today. Uh, one of the things to remember when you think about the investment and when people read the news today, they're seeing very large governmental investments in vaccines and in the billions of dollars is that the spend for and with vaccines is recognized globally as the best investment a government or a person can make in their overall health care. I think it's fair to say that 
uh, the cheapest and best healthcare coverage one can buy is the small investment in, in a vaccine. And because of that, you know, we see that many governments and many non-governmental organizations are looking at the best means by which they can make sure that the vaccine is uh, reaching the points of vaccination in a state that uh, will show that it has not been temperature damaged. Uh, we all know how temperature sensitive many of these COVID vaccines are. And using a vaccine biomonitor, for instance, enhances the overall public trust and confidence that the public will have in a vaccine. We've already seen some articles recently about uh, questioning how the distribution of the vaccines may happen, questioning whether or not the points of vaccination will be prepared and ready. So deploying a vaccine biomonitor where the patient, the parent, can go and, and view it and make sure that it's been handled the appropriate way will elevate the overall uh, public confidence and public trust uh, in the vaccine once it reaches the point of vaccination. Um, you know, a last point is non-governmental organizations and governments around the world have been using a vaccine biomonitor to ensure that the vaccine at the point of administration uh, is able to be used and administered and any types of temperature damage, heat damage specifically, is identified. And they do that because you have large spends by governments, by non-governmental organizations like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that want to ensure that their investment uh, in those vaccines is handled and managed the appropriate way. The overall goal is to make sure that every dose of vaccine spent reaches a willing participant at the other end, and that vaccine is viable and suitable for administration. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Has Zebra's Temptime team been asked by any of the vaccine manufacturers or distributors or even government officials to supply bio-level temperature sensors for the COVID-19 vaccine? Temptime has been engaged in the uh, global vaccination programs since 1996 on a uh, official basis prior to 1996 on field pilots, etc. So we have been uh, speaking regularly with those large non-governmental organizations like the World Health Organization, like UNICEF, um, Gavi, which is the procurement arm of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, some other ministries of health, uh, for example, in India. Uh, as well as vaccine manufacturers who are going to be supplying COVID-19 vaccine um, into those supply chains uh, for the global populations. So, so yes, we, we have been in those discussions, starting a little bit closer to home. Uh, we currently uh, work with the distribution company that has been appointed by uh, Operation Warp Speed to deliver the vaccines to the points of administration inside the United States. So we've been working on that. The team at TempTime has been uh, working tirelessly to uh, fulfill those orders in preparation for the administration of the vaccine. Uh, and we're, we're ready to, to move forward. So we're, we're preparing for our role that we've served traditionally on the uh, child vaccines around the world. And we're prepared to uh, deploy our vaccine biomonitor and other products, for example, our trans tracker uh, in support of the uh, delivery of the COVID vaccine, both in the United States uh, and around the globe. 
Mm-hmm. Would you agree, Chris, that attaching small heat sensors to the COVID-19 vaccines the moment they're produced is a simple action that will help preserve valuable resources and protect patients in a significant way? Absolutely. Um, TempTime has been engaged with uh, every major vaccine manufacturer globally for, for many years. Uh, we count today currently 80 vaccine uh, vaccine manufacturing sites globally um, that have the technical capability and technical means to apply a vaccine biomonitor on to uh, vaccines inside their facilities. So the the ability to do it, the technical know-how to do it, and the capability exist. Um, certainly by applying a vaccine biomonitor at the point of manufacturing, uh, it's the only known means today uh, that will be able to follow that vaccine, that individual vial, that individual syringe, if you will, from the point of filling to the ultimate point of administration into uh, a person's arm once that vaccine's uh, provided. There are other means. Uh, Tony spoke about data loggers uh, and other uh, devices that will monitor certain segments, and those are all good. Uh, The vaccine biomonitor works in concert with those devices, but the vaccine biomonitor is the only technology available today that can provide that level of confidence to uh, the administrator and to the patient that that specific vial, those specific doses that are going to be placed into their arm uh, have been observed from beginning to end and to make sure that the uh, aspect of any heat damage has been identified and that that vaccine uh, is viable for administration. So yes, um, not only do I believe that uh, it's uh, effective, but I also know that the major players in the vaccine uh, space have the capability of of using a vaccine biomonitor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Chris. Ted, I understand sure. you were actually one of the scientists who developed the first miniaturized technology to monitor temperature exposure of vaccine vials over 30 years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about how TempTime's vial-level vaccine temperature sensors work? And how will people know if there was a heat event in transit during storage or even while the vial was sitting out in preparation for administration? Hi, Therese. Thanks for uh, inviting me, and it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, the the need for the VVM, a vaccine vial monitor, actually came from the field uh, where WHO is doing immunization programs and campaigns like we're about to have here for COVID, uh, immunizing against polio and measles, but was noticing that uh, there was still plenty of disease around. So they identified uh, heat as a potential cause, the likely cause for that, and started to search for technologies that could be used uh, down to the vial level uh, to make sure that every vial has been handled correctly from the time of manufacture. So the key was simplicity of design uh, so that anyone around the world, by simply looking at that VVM, could tell whether it's been exposed to too much heat or not. Uh, the way it works is there's a simple chemistry. It's a monomer polymerizing and during the polymerization process, it develops color. The higher the temperature, the faster the rate of polymerization and the darker the color gets quicker. The lower the temperature, the slower the rate of polymerization. So it follows like the degradation of uh, typical products, just like milk. You put it at a higher temperature, it's gonna spoil faster, you keep it cold, 
it goes slower. So that's the basis behind the VVM. Its format is as like a sticker, that people commonly call it, uh, where it's simply printed and then applied to a vial or to whatever substrate you want. Uh, the format of it is a square uh, that changes color. That's got the temperature-sensitive material. That's surrounded by a reference color. And when that inner square either matches or gets darker than that outer reference color, uh, you no longer use that vial. So the thing here is that it has no batteries and there's no instrumentation. So again, as Chris pointed out, it's the only device that can be put on at the time of manufacture right now uh, and follow it through all the way till the time uh, of administration. It's a simple yet elegant uh, way to solve the problem. Uh, I'll give an example around oral polio vaccine. Oral polio vaccine is was chosen for the first use of VVM back in 1996 because it was the most heat labile, most heat unstable vaccine uh, in the program. Uh, it was stored frozen, shipped frozen, and if it got to a practice or a clinic where the vaccine was going to be administered, if it was thawed out, uh, the process then was to throw it out. It had to be frozen uh, when it got to you in order to use it. Uh, because of the VVM, uh, the stability of the OPV vaccine is uh, about six months in the refrigerator. So there, it could be defrosted and still be viable and still be good and used. However, in the past, it was thrown out. Uh, once the VVM uh, got into the system, uh, the normal practice changed. Uh, it's now that you can put an oral polio vaccine in a fridge uh, and use it up till the time the, in the VVM has reached its endpoint, which is typically going to be about five or six months, uh, and you can use it with confidence. Uh, the issue in the beginning was if you were a healthcare worker and told that if your polio vaccine came thawed, you can't use it, uh, but now all of a sudden with the VVM, you can use it, uh, people had to be convinced around the world uh, that this was acceptable. Uh, so it took some time, uh, but it did happen, and now it's part of the standard practice, and VVMs are now part of the culture of not just polio vaccine, uh, but all vaccines in the WHO program. Uh, there's actually no reason why anyone should need to guess about the temperature exposure of any vial of vaccine. And again, right now, the only way you can do that is to put something on at the beginning of the, of the trip and look at it at the end. Uh, just to put it to perspective why it's used on the vaccines. Uh, right now, COVID uh, vaccine from Pfizer is the one that everybody knows about. Uh, it's ultra cold storage. It has a shelf life of about five days, according to what's published in the refrigerator once it's thawed. Uh, after that, you have to throw it out. Uh, to me, it's very similar to fresh fish. For fresh fish, uh, if you have it in the fridge for about five days, it's probably not going to be too good. But you're able to smell it or even see that it's not looking fresh. The difference with vaccines is you can't see if a vaccine has been uh, heat abused and whether it should be used or not. So that's where the, the power of the VVM uh, comes in. Uh, I have a short story about confidence of the VVM uh, from Sudan, where they were doing a polio campaign. 
the village that was getting the polio vaccine uh, had the vaccine delivered, but they had no vaccine carriers like the styrofoam coolers that we all use and no ice packs to keep it cold. Uh, they were told that that consignment got shipped to the wrong place and they had to improvise. Uh, their way to improvise to keep things cold in Sudan uh, was to take a gourd, hollow it out, uh, put in charcoal and water and let the water evaporate so it was cool. Uh, and that's what they did. And they were getting ready to do their campaign uh, when a second set of vaccinators came that had uh, the right equipment. They had the right uh, vaccine coolers. Uh, they had the right uh, uh, ice packs in it. Uh, and they started the two supervisors from the two different teams, the Gord team and the vaccine cooler team, uh, started to have an argument about whose vaccine could be used and why one could be used, why one couldn't be used. Finally, the village elders came out, uh, saw the ruckus, and uh, took a vial from the gourd and took a vial from the vaccine carrier. And both were good. So they declared that both vaccines would be good for use. So again, it's one way that shows the power of the vaccine, of the VVM, and also uh, its credibility and confidence that healthcare workers around the world have in VVM. Mm-hmm. Very interesting story. Thank you for sharing, Ted. So if someone comes across a vaccine vial in which the inner square is darker than the outer reference ring, is there a way to tell when or where that temperature variance occurred? For example, if there was a single freezer truck in a fleet that wasn't maintaining the proper temperature, or there is a particular handoff point where there are repeated temperature integrity issues, would the temp time indicator be able to help pinpoint those those, those locations? The BBM doesn't provide information on when or where an excursion has taken place. Uh, it knows and senses that and can accumulate those excursions that uh, go along uh, from the beginning to the end. Uh, there, as Tony talked about and Chris talked about, there are electronic devices that are normally placed with shipments uh, at a higher level that can perform this task and monitor each leg of the journey. Uh, the thing is that the lot uh, change. Once you have it, loggers on a pallet that get broken down into cartons that get down to the smaller units, the same monitoring device isn't used and one has to sort of connect the dots uh, between each of those devices to add up what those potential excursions have been uh, all the way from the beginning to end. Right now, that's virtually impossible. I know that's the goal in the world to be able to do that, but right now that's uh, not easy to do. Uh, so, again, it, the VBM can be inspected at each touch uh, and alert to potential issues. You'd know that it happened within that leg or not. Uh, one such case happened in India a couple of years ago uh, with regard to Japanese encephalitis vaccine uh, that was scheduled for a mass immunization campaign. Uh, when the consignment arrived at the local distribution warehouse, it was found that about half of the vials with VBMs uh, were at the end point, and the other half were not. Uh, this was a big issue. You've got a big campaign ready to go, uh, and now you've got the VBMs uh, that are showing that it has been exposed to excessive heat. Uh, what does one do? Everybody was doing finger pointing at that point. What happened? Uh, was it the VVM? 
Uh, was it the driver? What was going on? Actually, the VVM was used then to uh, trace back and look back in the warehouse that uh, sent the consignment, which had two walk-in refrigerators. Uh, it turned out that one of the fridges uh, wasn't functioning properly, and so there's been abuse for some time while it was in storage. Uh, and the, the vaccines that came from that uh, shipment came from both fridges. So the good fridge uh, maintained uh, properly, and that came. Uh, in good condition to the final consignee, uh, while the other one showed that it can't be used. So VVM identified and spotted the point. Uh, another good example of the power of the VVM was in an earthquake in Yogi Akara a few years back. Uh, the healthcare clinics had no electricity, no refrigeration, uh, and once power was restored uh, in the coming day, uh, healthcare workers went and sorted through the vaccines and save the vaccines where the VVM was still good, uh, which is on actually all of the vaccines except oral polio vaccine. Again, oral polio vaccine is the, was the most heat labile vaccine in the program. So they triaged, uh, sorted the vaccines, and so now you have a, a place where the infrastructure is gone, uh, and once the power went back on, you have vaccines that you could use. You don't have to wait uh, for another consignment to come. So the bottom line is that VVMs help identify vaccines that have been exposed to excessive heat and shouldn't be used and helps prevent wastage due to presumptive heat damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that preventing waste is a key amongst this too. Thank you, Ted. Um, one final question for all of you. Clearly there are many people questioning whether the COVID-19 vaccine cold chain can be maintained through the very last mile. How can those informing, planning, funding, and executing COVID-19 vaccine distribution be sure that each dose administered is viable at the time of injection? Is there a way to build such confidence without the use of vial level temperature monitors? Tony, I'd love to start with you. Sure. Um, you know, I believe that there is really no way without a VVM um, to build that confidence and to know whether that particular vial has been exposed or not. Um, I think it's really important. I think you heard with Chris and, and Ted, and I always love the stories from Ted. Um, you know, what we're really talking about here with the VVM is confidence. And when I say confidence, I mean confidence to participate in a um, vaccination campaign event um, and to participate um, with confidence in you getting that particular vaccine um, injected into your into your body. And you have the confidence to know that with our VVM, you can see uh, that that vaccine has not been exposed to a temperature excursion. So the VVM is all about confidence, and uh, our view is without that, there really is uh, no way to tell if that vaccine has uh, been compromised or not. So critically, critically important. Yeah, t- Tony, I'd like to just pick up there on the on the patient confidence, parent confidence, overall vaccine confidence piece. You know, uh, not to be outdone by Ted and have some stories of my own, but we uh, we work with a uh, uh, <laughs> a graduate student who was working for working for who was uh, attending the Harvard Public uh, uh, School of Health. And she interviewed Ted and I probably 10 years ago. And we spoke about the VVM, the technology and the, the level of confidence it brings to uh, mothers in the, the developing world. Uh, shortly after she uh, had written a, a chapter in a book about 
uh, best practices in public health, uh, she and her husband were transferred to Africa. She had at the time uh, some young children and they were still in the normal regime of their vaccination programs. Having the financial means to purchase the international brands of, of vaccines, she actually opted to choose the publicly available vaccines uh, in the country that she was in because she could see the VBM on them. At the time, some of the major international brands were not using the vaccine vial monitor for those in-country uh, vaccinations. And after understanding the value of the vaccine vial monitor, she chose to have her children vaccinated for free in the public clinics because she knew with a high level of confidence that that vaccine had been handled appropriately from the manufacturer to the time it was administered to her children. It was a conscious choice and in her mind, a, an easy and scientifically based choice because she had evidence to, to see that the vaccine had been handled appropriately. So when we talk about mass vaccination programs, which hasn't really happened in the United States, um, we really need to make sure that everyone is given the evidence and the information based on science, as uh, they've been saying, uh, to know that the vaccine has been handled the appropriate way. So uh, much like Tony said, I, I think the vaccine vial monitor really is the only technology available today that can bring that confidence to the uh, the parents and, and the people choosing the, to be vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccine. I, I'd like to chime in just a bit also uh, and take it to a higher level, to more of a country or a province or a city or state level. Uh, you know, in the United States right now, the confidence in the COVID vaccines is probably the lowest confidence we've had uh, in vaccines, uh, as far as I know. Uh, I mean, our public our, uh, citizens are worried. Uh, you know, you look at some of the healthcare workers saying only about a third of them would take the vaccine because they're worried. Uh, you know, how can we change this? Uh, look at a country like China that had uh, some scandals in the vaccine area. Uh, what Beijing did uh, was put VVMs uh, on their flu vaccine uh, starting in about 2015. This was a way for them to visibly show their concern about uh, temperature exposure and integrity of the vaccine. So again, it's all about the patient, uh, but it's all about everybody together uh, as a globe on how we're going to combat COVID and take the right steps and improve confidence of everybody around the world in vaccines. Amazing discussion. I've learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners have too. Thank you all so much for sitting down with us today to talk about what it will take to build trust in the COVID-19 vaccine cold chain execution. I know the Zebra and Temptime team have successfully supported many critical vaccine distribution efforts around the world as you've shared stories with us today, and I'm sure our listeners appreciate you sharing best practices learned over the years. And it was also very reassuring to hear that there is technology readily available to confirm that each vaccine dose's temperature integrity has in fact been preserved during transportation and storage. So thanks again. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in to today's episode of the Your Edge podcast and encourage you to subscribe to the Your Edge blog to stay apprised of all timely updates surrounding the COVID-19 vaccine distribution effort and the ongoing work that Zebra and Temtime are doing with global healthcare, government, and NGO leaders. 
I'm Therese Van Ryan, signing off until next time.